again, we welcome you here and all those who are watching online. We're pleased that you're with us. We love to have people here in person, but sometimes, like I was last Sunday, <laughs> I had to go to the emergency room on, on uh, Saturday night. I was supposed to preach in Moralton last Sunday morning, and Brother Aaron was going to preach here. And so uh, I didn't know I had an emergency room appointment. <laughs> and so uh, I didn't get to come last Sunday, but I did join y'all online and got to watch the service last Sunday morning and, uh, and Sunday night as well. So now I understand a little better about people that can't get out of the house and come to church. Now, if you can get out and you can come, y'all be here. <laughs> but sometimes you can't. And if you can't, I'm glad we've got the facility set up where we can broadcast on YouTube and our website and Facebook and, and sermon audio and places like that where people can join in with us when they're not able to be here. And so we're glad for that capability. In Ephesians chapter number 1, I want to read through verse 14, chapter 1, verse 1 through 14. <clears throat> and I want to preach on the subject, finally accepted. Or... If you want a subtitle, I would say, accept your acceptance. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us, watch this, accepted in the Beloved. Hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Verse 7, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye, that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. Father, we pray that You would fill us with Your Spirit, that You would anoint our ears to hear what You have to say from Your Word. Lord, help us to forget those things which would be unnecessary, and Lord, help us to remember to say all those things which You would have 
us to hear. I pray that you'd bless us, fill us with your spirit, guide us. Let us leave here being different today than we came in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's normal and human for people to seek acceptance. You want to belong somewhere, somehow, to something, to something that brings satisfaction, maybe to an otherwise incomplete life. And that's why people look for romantic relationships by dating and marrying. And that's why uh, people seek to fill this vacuum inside by other things that we have available to us. And this vacuum is often that is tried to be filled by hobbies, entertainment, job, family, career, clubs or organizations. People like to belong. People want to feel like they're needed, like they're accepted. And we all have that to some degree. And there's literally multitudes today who are making wrong choices, trying to fill that void within that need to feel accepted by joining gangs, going on drugs, uh, gaining addictions of liquor and sex and drugs, alcohol, the whole bit, party life. But they're trying to seek and to fill that need that's within them. And many of those don't know that it's a a God-shaped hole that's within that needs to be filled. And they're filling it with many times the wrong stuff. Sometimes uh, young people or incredulous people will join up with some activity or organization that is totally off the chart to try to fill these needs and don't realize they're just being used or being pawns of somebody else who are trying to profit from their gullibility. People want to belong. That's why we've got several of our cards. You can see the table there at the back of the room by Elise back there. There's, there's tracks, gospel tracks that, that make it very clear how to be saved. And, and there's some that are shorter versions and some are just invitations to come to Liberty Baptist Church. And even on our website, uh, we have this phrase on some of our invitations and on our website about Liberty Baptist Church, a place to believe be loved and belong because people want to belong. It's just harder to enjoy life to its fullest unless people feel accepted. And sometimes the emotions overcome the facts of biblical principles when it comes to filling that need to be accepted. And our purpose today is to focus on the Bible facts that can be the key to us resting in the acceptance that God has for us. He offers us three things we want to cover this morning. First of all, if we're going to enjoy life and we're going to feel accepted, we're going to feel accepted based on the principles rather than emotions, then we need to realize these three things this morning. We need to recognize who we are as children of God. We need to recognize who accepted us. And thirdly, we need to recognize what He has in store for us because of it. To understand this, what it means to be accepted, first of all, we're going to talk about 
recognizing who you are. Who are you anyway? Well, in verse number 1 it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints, which are at Ephesus. Uh, the saints. Uh, if you're saved, just like those church members were at Ephesus, if you've been born again by the blood of Christ, you are a saint. Now you might not feel like a saint, because maybe we don't understand always the exact definition of a saint. But a saint means somebody who has been saved by Christ and set apart for him. When you get saved, you're taken out of the world. He calls you out of the world and places you into him. We are in Christ as believers. And in him, we are set apart from all else for his purposes. And so we're saints, whether we feel like saints or not. Notice in verse number two of our text, it says, Grace be to you and peace from God. Notice that next little three-letter word. Our Father. Being in the family of God is not an exclusive club that rules some out and lets others come in. Everybody, the Bible teaches, whosoever will may come. And, if, and if, you have, if you have it in your heart to come to the Lord Jesus for salvation, he says, come on, whosoever will may come. And I'm, I'm glad the Bible teaches that. And I'm glad for this little word that says our Father because that means that not only the Apostle Paul, not only those believers at Ephesus, but you and me by extension of that letter to the church at Ephesus, it's also to the church at Liberty Baptist. It's also to all churches where there are real genuine believers. He says, our Father. Hey, we're all together in the same family. Do you realize you belong? <laughs> You're accepted. You're accepted into His family and you have a heavenly Father. You have a father who is a protector and a provider. You have him. That's not just rhetoric. That's real. That's a Bible principle. He is your father when you're saved. It's our father. We're in this together. We're in the family of God. Perhaps you didn't have a childhood like like you've heard others talk about. Maybe you didn't have a childhood where you had a loving father and loving parents and a loving family. And maybe your childhood was chaos and maybe you were abused and maybe things, maybe you were treated unjustly and, and you've had trouble getting over it. And I'm not minimizing the impact of that. What I am saying is when you trust Christ as Savior, bless the Lord, that is put behind you and you now have a father, whether you had one in the past or not. You've got a father now as a believer and he loves you, he provides for you, and he protects you. Nothing happens to you without his permission. You have a loving heavenly father. Now some of you may have had a loving father and loving childhood, a loving family, and thank God for those who do. But maybe you lost that father and he's not on this earth anymore. Maybe there's a widow or a widower and you've lost that spouse and the hero that was in your family is now gone. Sometimes you feel alone. Can I just tell you that according to this passage of Scripture and the principles of the whole Bible that you have a heavenly Father and He has never left you, has never gone away and the Bible teaches that He's ever present. He's there with you. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Aren't you glad about that? Boy, you have a loving heavenly father. I'm just saying, you're pretty special now. Now, you didn't get saved because you're special. You were a sinner. 
But now that you're a child of God, there's something special about you. And you don't have to wait until you get to heaven and see the face of the one who loved you to be assured that you're accepted into his family. Because this scripture is the word of God. This Bible is true. Not one error in it. The Bible is true and he says he's our father. So regardless of how I feel, he's still my father. Regardless of whether or not I spend nights with tears in my eyes and and saying, God, why did this happen to me? Why is my finances falling apart? Why has my family gone away? Why have I lost this loved one? Why, why, why? And we might cry and say, why? But that does not change the fact. Just because your emotions are a an undercurrent, a tide, a riptide that's tearing your heart apart, it does not mean that this word is not true. It does not mean that God is not right there with you and He has His arm around you, friend, whether you know it or not. He's your Father. You've been accepted. So who are you? You're a child of the King. You're a child of the King. And He has accepted you into his family right now. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to experience this. He loves you and owns you. You're his, you're in his family now. Nothing can change that loving acceptance that he's given you. Not your circumstances, not your critics, not the devil, and not even you yourself can separate you from the, God, from the God that loves you and the love He has for you. Let me read you this from Romans chapter 8, verse number 37 through 39. Here's what the same apostle says. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded neither, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friend, when you're saved, nothing can rip you apart from Him. You are saved by being placed into the hand of God. You're in Jesus and He's in the hand of God. Nobody can rip you out. You're there. Safe and secure. Your Father is with you. And when this, and as miserable as this life may treat you, you still have a heavenly Father and you've been accepted. And one day you'll know this fully when you're in His presence. But right now we need to understand it because His Word says it and we accept that. Accept your acceptance. We're accepted through adoption. Now it's true that when you get born again, you're instantly that moment born into the family of God. The Bible teaches that you must be born again or you won't see the kingdom of God. And you are born into the family of God. And as a newborn babe, you need to desire the sincere milk of the word to grow thereby. But at the same time, instead of being just a little baby completely, we are also, something else happens at the moment of salvation. At that very instant when you're born again, you're also adopted into the family of God. As an adult child, you have an adult child's inheritance. In those days... (laughs) A child would have to grow up to become an adult before he had all of his rights of inheritance from his father. You've been adopted. That's what it says here. 
You've been adopted. So you're born into his family. You're adopted into his family. And as the church, as the believer that you are, you're also the bride of Christ. You're married into the family. <laughs> Triple blessed being put into the family of God. Now, it says something here we need to pay attention to just for a moment. In verse number 4, it says, According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. And in verse 5, it talks about having been predestinated under the adoption of children. So, we are called the elect. We've been elected. We've been predestinated. Those are biblical terms. I don't have any problem with that. Now, there's some people that stretch it too far in one way or the other to make it mean things that God didn't mean. Some say that you who are saved have been elected, that God selected you before this world was even created. You were selected to be saved. And by implication, if you were selected to be saved, the group that didn't get selected are automatically bound for hell. And some who believe that doctrine to the extreme teach that, yes, some were selected to go to heaven and others were selected as God's vessels of wrath that he's going to take his wrath out on by creating them to go to hell. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time believing in the Bible, seeing God as a loving Heavenly Father, that He created some of you just to go straight to hell and never give you a chance to be saved. That's the most absurd doctrine I've ever heard. <laughs> Will everybody get saved? No, that's called universalism. That in the final end, and everybody's just going to go to heaven. No, the Bible says, except you be born again, you shall not see the kingdom of God. The choice is yours. You see... <laughs> What happened here, God could see from the beginning before anything was created. He, he knows everything, doesn't he? Isn't he all-knowing? He's omniscient. So, of course, God had the ability to look into the future and he could see if you're going to get saved or not, but that doesn't mean he made your decision for you. It's, it's like this. When you become one of... When you become a believer in Christ, you place your faith in what he did for you on the cross, you become one of the elect. Before the foundation of the world, he said, I'm going to make it available for everybody that wants to choose Christ as Savior, for everybody who will believe by faith, it's my will that they become the elect who will go to heaven. But that was a group decision, not an individual choice for every one of you. You're still responsible for your choice. It's like this. If I had a thousand dollars in my pocket, <laughs> relax, I don't. <laughs> if I had a thousand dollars in my pocket and I said this, I was going to leave it in my will just for a, whoever might be entitled to it, but because I'm loving and I, I want you to enjoy it to, I'm going to leave this $1,000 for all of you. And uh, I'm going to draw a circle on the floor. And everybody who will stand in that circle will receive that $1,000 gift. 
Now, whosoever will in this crowd can go and stand in that circle. If you choose not to, then okay, it's not yours. You don't get it. But if you choose to go stand in that circle, you'll become one of those elected as a group to enjoy that $1,000. Anybody got a piece of chalk? We'll draw a circle on the floor. Anybody got a, anybody got $1,000 I can borrow? <laughs> you see, what that means is that you would have the choice. It's available to you to go stand in that circle and you would become one of the elected ones to receive the $1,000. By the same token, when God said, the church, the believers, those who place their faith in Jesus Christ can stand in this circle. You, if you want to believe on Christ and what he did for you on the cross, you stand in that circle and you're going to the elect. You'll be elected. Now, he has a will for you, and we see that in our text that we read. He has a will that you're predestinated to become like him. Once you are in that circle, then you're not supposed to live like those outside the circle. It's his will. He has predestined some certain things for you, that you behave like a child of God, and one day you'll receive that inheritance whether you behave or not, you're still saved. You're not going to lose it. Once you're elected, you're elected. But he has a will for you, and that's to become his child forever and ever and ever. If you place your faith in Christ to save you, you're now part of the elect family of God. And do you realize what that means in this passage of Scripture? You've been accepted. When you place your faith in him, you've been accepted. Do you realize you don't have to be lonely? You don't have to feel like you're not in the inner circle. You don't have to feel like there's no one who cares because he does. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. That's who you are. He says, verse number four of our text, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. Saints are the set-apart ones. And now he says, because you've been set apart when you trusted Christ, now you're supposed to, you've been accepted into the family, so you're supposed to act like one of the family. Does that make sense? <laughs> you're in the family, you're supposed to act like you're in the family. He's saying that we should be without blame. That means living our life as a child of his, dining at his table, reflecting his image. When you're in the family of God, when you've been born of God into his family, you're supposed to bear his image. Some, of the, some people have said, little Harrison looks... Our grandson said he looks just like Aaron. I disagree. I think he's handsome like his grandfather. <laughs> I can see, of course, I guess I'm a little partial, but I can kind of see some of my traits in him. <laughs> and whether that's good or bad, I don't know. <laughs> but he bears some image from the family. And when you're born of God, you're supposed to bear some of the marks of being in the family. And he says that we should be holy. Well, God's holy. Be ye holy, he says, for I am holy. That means 
He wants you to be more like Him. Godly. Does that make sense? Since He is good, we ought to be good. Christians ought not to be mean people. Hey, I'm a saved, born-again, independent, Bible-believing Baptist, but I'm not mad about it. <laughs> I'm not going to bite anybody because of it. <laughs> a little girl was sitting by her mom on the front row, first time in this church. I mean, the, the preacher was one of those men. He was just laying it on. He was an Alabama windsucker. See, you're not from Alabama, so we can say this about these people. Any of y'all from Alabama? Huh? Okay. <laughs> you're afraid to admit it now. <laughs> Are you from Alabama, Carol? Okay. Well, you'll like this. You've heard this before. <laughs> this little girl sitting on the front row with her mother and the preacher's up there. I mean, he's getting with it. He's, he's plowing down every row and he's ranting and raving and, and, and the Lord said, and he's sucking that breath. And man, he's just, he's just nailing everything under the sun and he's slobbering and spitting and stomping. And that little girl, he's, he's got on a microphone like this that had a cord and uh, the little girl asked her mama, said, what? What is that thing he's got hooked on to him? He said, if he gets unhooked from that, will he bite us? <laughs> I guess she thought he was a mad dog. Well, some, some preachers act like a mad dog. Uh, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm a child of God, but I'm just not mad about it. And I want others to be born again too. We're saints and God is good and we ought to be good. God's not immoral and so we ought not to be immoral. And God is not foul and vulgar in his language and neither should we be foul and vulgar in our language. And he's not frivolous and deceitful and neither should we. We ought to bear the image of God. Blameless, the scripture says in our text. Blameless. That doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means we seek to avoid being blamed. Now, sometimes people will falsely accuse you. That's true. But they ought not to have a valid excuse for blaming us. We ought to avoid blame. You know why a lot of Christians, listen, here's, here's where we're going right now with this. A lot of people don't feel very loved and don't feel accepted by God because they're not living like they're part of the family of God. They're living like the world. They're living like heathen. And because of that, their conscience condemns them. The Holy Spirit convicts them. And they don't feel accepted by God because they're on the outs with God. Hey, if you act like, if, if kids act like a heathen in your family and you have to get on to them and spank them and corral them down, they're probably going to feel like, boy, mom and dad's really mean. <laughs> At least for a little while. Don't let that keep you from... Rallying them down, though. <laughs> well, when believers are living outside of God's will and doing crazy stuff, a lot of times they don't feel accepted. Can I just tell you that if you live like one of the family of God, you'll probably feel loved more because your emotions plays tricks on you. And even though he's not kicking you out of the family, you'll feel like you're not part of the family because you're not acting like part of the family. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. All right. Well, we need to recognize who we are. Now, I'm going fast. I always preach a long time on my first point, but the last two is real fast. <laughs> I even preached a sermon one time, just had two points. You believe that? Well, <clears throat> regardless, <laughs> verses 6 through 9 indicates that we, according to Ephesians, ought to recognize who accepted us. Realize who you are in Christ. But number two, realize who accepted you. 
in verse number 6 it says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. You're in Jesus, you're accepted. You're accepted. You feel accepted? doesn't matter, you are anyway. <laughs> you're accepted. Since God, the creator of all things, the all-powerful one, since he made everything and he gets to make all the rules. So he decides how people can get to heaven. And the way he decided to do it, and this is not up for discussion, it's not up for opinion, it's just what he said. He is the one who decides, he is the gatekeeper to heaven. And nobody gets in according to how they think it ought to be done. Some people, you tell them how to be saved, and they say, well, I just believe. It doesn't matter what you believe. <laughs> you still don't make the rules. He does. And the rule is that even though we were, before we got saved, lost, undone, undeserving sinners who did deserve to go to hell, because of His love and His grace and His mercy, he allowed Jesus, who never sinned, to go to the cross of Calvary. And even though he did not deserve hell, he was the Holy One, but because he had no sin of his own, he died on the cross to pay for our sins who did deserve to go to hell. It's called the vicarious suffering of Christ. He suffered in our place. Realize who saved you. When you realize that he is the omnipotent ruler of the universe and He accepts you, nothing can interfere with that. You're safe. <laughs> Little boy on his way home from church with his mom and dad sitting in the back seat, and they just left church, they're headed home, and the little boy's just crying uncontrollably, and the dad looks over and says, what's wrong with you? He said, well, Dad, that preacher said he wanted all of us kids to live in a Christian home, but he said, I want to stay with you and Mom. You know what God wants? He wants us to live in a Christian home with Him and realize that He's the one who accepted us. He allowed us to be saved because of what Jesus did. The Bible calls it being redeemed. Look down at uh, verse number 7. In whom we have, in Jesus, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. We were lost, separated from God because of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. God created, some people say, why is there so much disease in the world? And why is there death? And, and why do bad things happen to good people? Can I just tell you, God didn't cause that. Man did. Man caused the fall in the Garden of Eden. Now people get sick and die and people have problems and people sin. And there's rape and robbery and wars in the Middle East, all because man fell in the Garden of Eden. God didn't say, I'm just going to make the world a mess of chaos. No, man did that. And because of what happened in the Garden of Eden, we were separated from God. Then because of what Jesus did on the cross, He brought us back together with God. He redeemed us. He bought us back. We were sold on the slave market of sin and the devil owned us. The Bible teaches that before you get saved, you are a child of the devil. I'm sorry, but that's what the Bible teaches. And when you get saved, when you're born again, you're born into the family of God and you're a child of 
the king. He redeemed us. Although we were, we owed a debt that we couldn't pay, we're a slave to sinfulness. Jesus died in our place and he redeemed us. He bought us back off of the slave block. We're accepted because he's decided to love us and give his son as a sacrifice for us. Verse number 8 says, Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. You see, the reason I'm a child of God has nothing to do with me. I did not deserve to be saved, and neither did you. I am simply saved because he loved me and offered me salvation. Free? I couldn't earn it if I tried. I tried one time. I went forward at 13 in a, in a church service, in a revival service, and I knelt at an altar and cried real tears, but I didn't know what I was crying about. I didn't realize I was a lost, undone sinner who needed a Savior to take my place. I just thought if you go down front and cry, you'll get saved, but it didn't work. I tried to earn my salvation for about two weeks, and I gave up. Man, that's too hard. And then at age 29, I've just cast myself on the mercy and grace of God and he saved my soul. And friend, I've been saved ever since. And it's not because of me, but because of him. And if you got saved, you got saved the same way. That's something to shout about. You're accepted. Now the last thing is recognize what awaits you. Sometimes we think, oh boy, this life is so dull or it's so miserable or it's just unrewarding. Uh, is this all there is to being a Christian? You go to church and go home and Work your job and then you die? Well, that's not all there is. In verse number 10 in our text, it says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, and I stopped right there, the dispensation of the fullness of times, what is that dispensation? We're in a church dispensation now. We're in times of the Gentiles right now, but this age will come to an end. There's going to be a rapture. Those who are believers are going up. The world, lost world, will be left to go through the great tribulation, and the end of that, the end of that age. That will be the dispensation, beginning of the dispensation, of the millennium in the fullness of times. When, everything, when this old world has run its course trying to run this world like we think it ought to be run, then Jesus is going to come back. It's called a second coming. And when he comes back to set up his kingdom, he's going to run the world and show us how it should have been done. There won't be wars in the Middle East then. There won't be rapes and robberies on the streets every day then because he's going to be in control. It'll be safe and it'll be peaceful and it'll be pleasant. The curse from the earth will be lifted and we'll live in a garden of Eden-like paradise during that thousand years. And yes, there'll be some lost people there because the people who got saved in that tribulation time, there are some people that'll get saved in tribulation. And they'll, if they survive that martyrdom that's so prevalent in the tribulation, they'll go into the millennial age. They got saved, they'll go into the millennial age, that thousand year reign, in their natural body, which is a sinful body. And so they'll have babies during the millennium that will need to get saved just like you and I. And so they'll still toe the mark though because Jesus is in control. Now there will be one last little uprising at the end of that 
thousand-year reign, Satan's going to still fool some of them, even though there will be people who pretend to belong to Jesus during the millennial reign. They'll really have a wicked heart that never repented, never turned to Christ, never believed on Him for salvation. And they'll go with Satan in that final rebellion, and it'll be squashed, and then everybody, everything that's unsaved is cast into hell for all eternity. And only the saved will live beyond that. During that thousand-year reign, we have an inheritance that's already beginning to come to fruition. <laughs> During that thousand-year reign, we who didn't deserve to be saved will be in that thousand-year reign, and he's going to be the king. Jesus will be the king ruling from Jerusalem. And you and I will get to rule and reign with him. Isn't that something, an old sinner like you and me? We're going to get to reign with him. We'll be like princes and princesses reigning with the king. You think that's not an inheritance? And then when we get to heaven after that, we're going to walk on streets of gold. The stuff that we used to value here on earth will be used for pavement up there. We're going to have a, have a great inheritance in front of us, ladies and gentlemen, those who are saved. It says in verse number 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. So when you're saved, you're predestinated to enter into that millennial reign. You're predestinated to go into eternity without end, living with him in pleasures evermore. That may be more important, and that may be more of an inheritance than being in the circle that gives you a thousand dollars or a million dollars. Eternity with Him for every, every more. Verse 12 says that we should be to the praise of His glory. We ought to live to praise the Lord. I didn't deserve any of this inheritance, but I'll just say praise the Lord. He included me anyway. He accepted me. I'm one of His. I'm a child of the King. Praise God. And then it says in the last part of verse 13, after he talks about the gospel of the salvation, he says, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. See, we've got inheritance coming, but you've already got the down payment. The earnest that's mentioned there is the down payment. What is that down payment? It's the Holy Spirit of God. The moment you get saved, the Holy Spirit moves in, gives you power to overcome that sin, that easily besetting sin. He gives you power to overcome that. He gives you power to deal with things. He gives you power to know the wisdom of God. He gives you power to live the Christian life. He gives you power to enjoy your life because you know you're accepted, and you've already got the down payment. And when you've got the down payment from God, you don't have to worry about Him paying the rest of it. It's done. <laughs> got the Holy Spirit. Well, how do we wrap all this up? Everyone needs to love and be loved. Everyone needs to feel accepted by someone or something that's credible. And if you have a hard time just living for God, feeling accepted, can I just tell you that these Bible principles are facts and they will overcome the emotions that try to make you feel like you're not worth anything anymore. You're valuable. Sometimes elderly people begin to feel like they've lived their life and now they're just waiting heaven and nothing else to live for. You're valuable to God.
As long as he lets you breathe, you're valuable. And we ought to treat the elderly like they're valuable. We ought to treat our young people like they're valuable. We ought to treat every Christian like they're valuable because we're all in the family of God together. We've been accepted together. In the beloved, there's not a more powerful nor beneficial acceptance in this universe than being accepted into the family of God. And your joy in this life hinges on remembering that. You're accepted, but you can lose your joy and think things are not going good. So we need to be reminded of what Paul says in chapter 1 of Ephesians so that we remember that we have been accepted and nothing changes that. We just need to remember and recognize. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd bless us as we go into this time of invitation. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone who doesn't know you as Savior, they haven't been born into your family, they haven't experienced that adoption and that belonging, that acceptance that you give. Lord, I pray that this would be the very time they'd receive Christ as Savior. It's as simple as placing their trust, their faith in what the Lord Jesus did on the cross of Calvary in their place has nothing to do whether we're worthy or unworthy or can live up to it or can't live up to it. Lord, help them to understand that it's just because He loved us and He died for us on the cross and He offers that salvation to all who will accept Him. I pray that they'd make that decision this morning.